Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. Today on the Ether, the One Planet Roundtable on Polygon number 7 with Community Manager for Squarespace and founder of Holdat, Sarah Graysdorf. Let's take a listen. Hey there. Good morning, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Yeah. Thank you for your time as well. We have a few listeners here. So... I'm open to answer any questions that you may have as well. I know that this may be a new kind of demographic of people that you may be speaking to. And Psych, the the listeners here, they are part of our builder community. They have created NFT projects. And uh, so, you know, they're, they're here to also learn about how you run your your own community with Squarespace. So um so yeah, so just wanted to give you a little bit of a of an intro there as to who our listeners may be today. Awesome. That sounds great. Community has so many different applications. So excited to talk about Muse uh in the NFT space as well. Yeah. And I, I think for me in general, it has been interesting to see the growth of community managers in the Web3 space and NFT communities and, and DeFi as well, because I think that initially a, a lot of the community managers that get put into the roles, it it's kind of like a progression from being a mod. Um, and so it's uh, it's been interesting to see how there's i feel like there's still some missing component there of the the web two community uh, managers kind of coming into the the ecosystem and having more of the background or or experience in doing this professionally in, in other fields or in other businesses that's been my experience so far i don't know if you've heard of community managers transitioning from web two to web three. Yeah, some of that. And, you know, it's interesting. I think that there's like a couple ways that people get into the community management field itself. And I think a lot of the ways that you'll hear that people, you know, became community managers in the first place is that they were moderating some other kind of community and then um, you know, got really into it, really enjoyed doing it and then learned that this could be a career. And I just think the role that like, you know, ownership plays obviously is like different web two to web three, but the the role itself, um, I've definitely seen that happen where people like get engaged in a community and then um, you know, maybe go and take the skills that they've learned and bring it to somewhere somewhere else. And there's a lot of that happening in general with all with all careers right now where the Web3 space, is, there's there's a lot of innovation and a lot of growth going on and there's a lot of demand for developers and, and 
marketing and community management, um, like a lot of what I see too is that there's a lot of builders that are creating, that engineers are creating really cool projects, but they need the marketing support. They need someone to tell a story, right? And, And help them advertise their their value proposition right the problem that they're trying to solve and then they also need people to help them manage the customer support the or the engagement that they're getting from their product so so there is a lot of demand and and growth that is happening in this ecosystem yeah absolutely i was actually just talking to someone this morning about how i feel like more and more startups and more projects are bringing on people to do community management work earlier and earlier, which creates such an interesting problem for community managers, because oftentimes I think folks are like, oh, community is the core of what we do. But who who is the community manager supposed to be supporting? Who's making up that community when you've just gotten started? And I think there's something to be said for like building uh kind of principles of community management into the work that you're doing. But I think that that ownership falls on a lot of people, engineers and product people and design and, you know, all kinds of people who are building the actual product to say, like, I'm going to listen to the feedback of people who are using my product um, versus like when you bring in an actual community manager to like engage that audience in, in new ways. And I think you can be kind of like a community led product or a community led, you know, startup company or whatever without hiring a community manager. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of benefits that comes along with hiring one, but just like been interesting to see the role that um, community managers have, you know, started to take on now that the field is growing so much. And that definitely falls into the ethos of Web3 in general. One of the things that we try to talk a lot about in, in this ecosystem is that we want to be community driven. And, and that's usually what most collectors or investors and projects are are looking for just the 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 founders that are going to be there daily right and and communicating with the with the members of the community and listening to the feedback and pivoting where they need to based on that um so so yeah i I think the community managers play a huge role but i i have psyched up here before before i uh before we move forward Sarah, I want to just give you a couple of minutes to get a bit of a background about yourself. That way, our listeners here can get to know you a little bit before we dive deeper into community management in specific. And so on, on my end, the way that I found out about you was through CMX and their recent uh, summit that they had. and. Um, uh, after looking at that, I paid attention a little bit more to the workshops that they were hosting. And then um, I wasn't able to attend the live session, but I saw the, the the video afterwards of the workshop that you did. And um, that was on in the, the 10 easy ways to make, uh, was make community building a whole company after, right? Which I think it's perfect. And just kind of mentioned that. Um, so anyways, that's how I got uh, familiar with who you were. And I thought you would be somebody great to talk to and get to know a little bit more about your role. Uh, but with that being said, I want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself and then let us know how initially you got interested in community management. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks again for having me. Um 
so cool connecting um, with people across the internet um, in so many new ways. Um, yeah, so I got into community management kind of on accident, which I feel like is what most community managers say. Um, but out of college, I was starting a community for recent grad women. Um, and yeah, so we support women who are zero to five years out of college, um, through monthly community groups across the country. And, um, that was like really awesome. And I learned a lot about starting chapter programs and working with different hosts and that kind of thing. Um, unfortunately running a community like that doesn't exactly pay the bills. I wanted to move to New York. I was like, okay, what do I know how to do? I know how to run a community. I have a degree in computer science. How can I kind of utilize these things together? And so, um, fortunately, at around the time I was looking for a job, Squarespace was hiring um, for a community manager. Um, and so ended up applying for the role um, and got it, which was really fortunate. And so, yeah, for about a year and a half, I've been a community manager at Squarespace. And I work specifically with our pro users. So that's people who build a lot of Squarespace websites. Um, specifically, you have to build three and then opt into the program. Um, and then we consider you a circle member. So for folks that are in our community, we run um, a forum and we have um, webinars and we run a conference. And I do a lot of work with our product teams to get um, early access for products to our community um, so that they can try it out early before their clients get access to it. Um, so, yeah, I think the more that I've been in the space, my interest in it has just kind of grown. Love seeing the way that people kind of can apply the principles of community management to a lot of different spaces, whether that's you know, a B2B company like we are, uh, you know, running our circle community or just like, you know, a local dinner party um, or just like getting your friends together. I think a lot of the same rules apply. Um, and yeah, even extending, you know, to the NFT space, the Web3 space, obviously there's like a ton of new community things and initiatives happening here as well, which, um, yeah, continue uh, to be excited to dive into. That is awesome. Yeah. And, and I think for us too, in the NFT space and Web3 in general, we spend so much time digitally, right, uh, in, in our own metaverse here on Twitter spaces, on Discord, on Telegram, on Slack. And I, I think, the you know, one of the points that I got from you there is that you can take the community management skills into an in real life environment, right, and bring people together as well. And, and I think that's something that we as a as an ecosystem in Web3 in general, we're trying to do that more often. I do see more events popping up. And, and I think that that is going to help also bring more attention to, to the businesses that are hiring in this space. It's like, I want to let you introduce yourself and get you in the conversation here. Hey, yeah, I've been super excited about this. And Sarah, thanks so much for being here at One Planet for coordinating this. Um, and I think that's actually a really perfect segue in, in what you're saying. So I, you know, the NFT community is very indie, you know, you have all these small collections, small communities, and um, it, it also can be very clicky. Um, there's a, a little bit of this degen attitude towards, you know, bigger companies. But um, as we we're seeing too, you know, we have Reddit, we have Disney with like Polygon, you know, recently um, signed. And what else do we got? There's so, so many things have happened just within the last couple of months. Um, so there is going to be these companies coming in. It's necessary for mass adoption and uh, onboarding. So that relationship, that bridge really needs to be built. And I feel that there's community management, but collaboration has to go hand in hand with that. Um, 
how do you see really that bridge being built? You know, what is it that um, these smaller companies, smaller like indie gaming um, communities and NFT communities, what can we do to be maybe a little bit more inviting, <laughs> a lot more inviting, um, and also provide value to, uh, you know, for example, community like Squarespace and being able to build that bridge? Yeah, what a great question. Um, you know, it's interesting at Squarespace, which is such a, I feel like behemoth in comparison, um, you know, with our whole 2000 employees. Um, we just on my team are kind of split into two. We're focused on acquisition and then we're focused on engagement and retention. So our acquisition team is focused on like bringing new people into the community. And then our engagement and retention team is focused on um, keeping people engaged, um, helping them like continue to build websites. I think what you're kind of describing reminds me a lot of the work that our acquisition team has been doing. And that's like, how do we get more people in the door? And um, like I said, to become a circle member, like to be part of our pro user community, you have to build three sites. So you can't just like waltz in. And I, I wonder if it's a little bit the same with some of the communities that exist um, that you were describing. Like there's like kind of a knowledge um, gap that like you have to fill. You have to know what's going on. You have to learn the lingo, that kind of thing. Just like you have to build sites on Squarespace. But I think something that I've been really focused on um going forward um on like our acquisition side is like how do we not just build a community for people who build on squarespace how do we build a community for people who are interested in picking up web design as like a side hustle regardless of like in the past if they built on squarespace or like regardless if they've actually like done it before how do we just like build a community for people who care about this and then offer Squarespace like as a solution? And I wonder if the same kind of things can kind of be applied. Like how do we build a community for people who are interested in gaming in general and then like introduce them to the specific angle that we're offering? Um, I think can be a really exciting way to invite people into what you're doing. So like, for example, we're running a meetup next month, um, December 8th. If you're in New York and you're interested in web design, you should come. Um, but um that meetup is not just available to members of our existing community. It's open to anyone uh, at all who's interested in web design. So I think it's about creating space um, for people who are like lacking the knowledge that you might need to be an active member, but that like you could kind of train them by creating, you know, content and programming to get them to a point where they can be like a valuable member of your community. Yeah. I mean, listening to that, there's a few things that come to mind. Um, one is like, I understand that there is a knowledge gap because there's just like any industry, you end up having your own language and jargon. And even just saying something like NFTs, people don't know what that is, or there's now a certain um, connotation around it that may or may not be positive. Whereas Reddit, they didn't call their NFTs NFTs, they called them digital collect uh, collectibles, right? And I think Vive Comics um, did something similar to that. I know, and it's interesting that you say, um, you're, like your acquisition. You mentioned your acquisition team because um, when I'm thinking of like the startup community, which I feel like basically the whole NFT space is a bunch of startups. Um, startups can build and adapt really quickly, whereas bigger companies don't have necessarily that capacity because there's so much overhead and there's a lot of different you know moving pieces, which is why oftentimes they acquire smaller companies. Um, so this is why I'm, I'm thinking in the space of collaboration, even if it's like education or more of like on a contractor basis, I feel like there's a way that those two worlds can really come together and 
be, you know, be able to utilize their strengths. What that is, I don't exactly know, <laughs> but uh, I hope I get an idea and something clicks. Even, even, you know, when it comes to something creative like meetups or again, you know, some sort of conference and teaching or, or something like that, um, you know, what founders are doing in the NFT space with building a startup, I think is what a lot of like the community members within probably Squarespace are doing as they're starting their companies. There's a lot of overlap in, in um, sort of the knowledge, even though there's two different niches. Absolutely. I feel like, um, like brand partnerships and collaborations has been, it's like always been a pillar of the kind of community space. Like how do you take what you're building and then share that with someone else and then take what they're doing and bring that into your community? Um, that's something we're like starting to explore at Squarespace as well for our pro users is like, where are there other communities of freelancers or other communities of web designers or um, just people who like might be interested in what it is that we have to offer, but haven't been exposed to it already. How can we create like a mutually beneficial partnership? Um, That's like absolutely something that, that we're exploring as well. I think that for, for us, what is important is to highlight what is unique our, about our, projects right and that goes a long way to get the acquisition component of uh, the community going and i think something too that i realized is that there's very detailed positions in some of these businesses like you're mentioning you have an acquisition team and then you have an engagement team and i think that we're still so early in the web3 space that one community manager does, does the engagement, the acquisition, and the customer support, and many other roles, right? So uh, I, I think part of that is that it, it is it is you know we are still very early, and then also the 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 business or the startup probably doesn't have the funds, right? They they're waiting to create that first product or to launch that first collection, and in order to get some funds, and then hopefully be able to build, continue to build and follow their roadmap with the initial funds. Um, but so just just to finish here and a little bit of background for you, you mentioned that you have also a computer science degree. And, and I think that's interesting that um, you, you made this kind of transition from, uh, I guess I, I'm looking at it more of like a creative space in the community management area versus more of like a structured computer science way where you would be building uh, a specific product. Uh, so I'm curious what, what made you kind of transition into, into doing that and initially what got you curious about computer science? interested in computer science when I was... Um, oh, uh, yeah, I got interested in computer science when I was in middle school um i we had like a kind of career day and someone came and talked about their job um at google and i was like that's the coolest thing i've ever heard um i also want to get a job at google and so was like okay google's a tech company i need to know how to code um and so started taking a couple like here programming classes here and there in high school and then was like okay i'm just going to study computer science in college um the thing that i did not know is that computer science in college is like basically math and um, I don't like math like that. So um, I was like, I uh, am going to like power through this. But like I knew by like early my sophomore year that this was like not for me. Um, 
I'm surprised it took that long, honestly. But I also like knew that having a degree in computer science would be really valuable. Tech isn't going anywhere. Our society is getting increasingly like more technical. Technology is like continuing to play an even greater role in our lives. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get this degree. So I uh, ended up getting the computer science degree and then really just pivoted into community management because I was running Holdet um, and was able to kind of use those skills to get into it. But also looking back on my journey, um, I can kind of see the ways that like I was playing the role of community manager, even when I didn't know it, I was running like yearly Galentine's parties for friends, or I like ran a uh, hackathon team in college, but like, you know, was putting together dinners and things to like get people engaged and creating like fun activities during the actual hackathon, like things that weren't technical. They, they were very community focused. Um, and you know, it's, now reflecting back and saying like, oh, I wanted to work at Google. Google's a tech company. I need to code. Like I work at a company that for all intents and purposes is like in the same industry as Google, just like the tech industry. And now I know that you can work here. You don't have to code. You can be a community manager. You can work in marketing. You could do a gazillion other things. Um, and I think it's just fun to like have ended up back in a technical space, even though my skill set is like pretty different um, these days. Yeah. And I mean, I love that story because I'm in a similar place where I also always wanted to be in the tech industry, but I always felt I've always tried to code and I've I've tried CSS and and JS and React, but I can never finish a course. It's for some reason uh, that puzzle for me that just doesn't click yet. Um, but eventually, you know, I found my my way here, and. It, what it came down to is just being able to communicate with people, right? You don't need the non-technical skills. There's a lot of soft skills that are necessary in this space, right? And we talked about that a little bit earlier today. Uh, but I think there, there's so many ways to be part of the tech industry. You don't have to be a computer science major or engineer to build things and to be part of the, um, of, the of the business of the company that you want to work with. I, I wanted to dive deeper into some community management specific um, topics here. So we, for example, one thing that I mentioned to you is that, you know, this Twitter space roundtable that that I host on a weekly basis, the goal is to bring in people that are building around the Polygon ecosystem, uh, provide some kind of educational component or to create more exposure for projects that are working within one planet. And for us, this is a way to let our community hear our voice. They can come up and ask questions and be involved, right? And and so I'm curious about in your end, have you had, is there one community engagement or is there one campaign strategy that, that you feel has been the most successful for you that maybe brought in a lot of new users into Squarespace or maybe doesn't necessarily have to be Squarespace, right? But uh, for other community management events that you've held, I'm curious if you've had anyone that you that stands out to you that was a success. Absolutely. And I feel like I have two examples. One is like getting new people into the community, but the other is like kind of keeping them there, engaging, like really successful tactic that we've done. Um, so as far as like getting new people into the community, with Hold Up, the community that I run for recent grad women, um, Oftentimes, uh, after college, people will move to a new city. I moved to New York. People move all over. And so 
when it came to like thinking about where we could find new people to join our community, I was like, okay, if I was moving to a new city, like where would I be? And where I was when I was moving to New York was um, in a lot of housing groups, um, a lot of like New York housing or like girls in New York housing group. Um, and so what I started doing was joining those housing groups um, in every city. And I would basically be like, oh, I know you're looking for a roommate or you're looking for um, an apartment. You're probably also looking for friends. And we've basically filled Holdet um, with all of our like members that we have to date like that way if it's not word of mouth it's that way so probably like 60 percent of our new members every season um come from facebook so i think it's kind of like a, a funny example but like where are the people that you're trying to find and what else are they probably doing right now and like can you go there and find them um as far as like just another thing that we've done that's been really successful um something that I run with my colleague at Squarespace is our community leaders program. So I love that you guys like highlight uh, community members that are, you know, making an impact in your community. One of the ways that we've like figured out how to do that sustainably long-term is by developing our community leaders program. So it's a group of about 30 folks who are really active in our community or having like a significant impact. And um, we invite them into the program. We comp their website for a year. Um, We give them like lots of other benefits. Um, And one of those benefits is monthly conversations with people who are on um, the Squarespace team. And so either we're telling them about something or we're getting feedback on something. Um, But just like is such a great way to like utilize these people who care so much about Squarespace. And we're able to kind of like, you know, give them this nice shiny title of like community leader, which they can then go and put on their website or put wherever they want. Um, to kind of honor the contributions that they're making as well. So two different tactics, um, both uh, really successful in their own ways. Yeah, those are cool. And the way that I would kind of phrase phrase them or or put them in a Web3 context, I think going to places where people are looking at uh, NFTs or like when when mints are happening for us, we call that like alpha groups, right? Or uh, just a, a a Telegram or a Discord that has a community where they are discussing what's the next cool art project or which project has the hype or uh, you know what utility is is new right now. So that's one way that I could think of you know, that the acquisition component, right? As founders, having to look for those different areas outside of your circle of uh, friends or your own community, right? To try and get new people into your community. And then the second way that your your leaders, I think for us, we have our specific roles, right? So with One Planet, we have uh, our OG settlers is what we call them. So we've done this two times this year where for 24 hours, we let whoever's paying attention to us, right, uh, get claim the role, the OG settler role. And the goal with that is to give them a bit more uh, of an opportunity to win a whitelist for an upcoming mint or um, or different opportunities, right? So I can definitely relate to that. I don't know, Psych, if you have some examples of things that you did with uh, anarchists. To, to bring them over to Polygon and One Planet? Just in regard to getting, using the examples that Sarah shared in a Web3 context, 
like reaching out to different communities to um to get them into your community or any specific roles that you've given to your community to reward I, them um, yeah I, so we did do cross uh collaborations and regarding roles um to make people feel more involved. And I think we have a lot of, more of this in like in the like sub communities, you know, depending on traits that you got in your, um, for your, for your collection. So, um, we actually, even leading up to our first mint, we had factions and the way that we got people involved is like each faction would get a different mission and we would have week long missions and we'd post it and each faction had to, uh, participate, but they, there was different kinds of interactions and different kinds of engagement. So maybe one faction or mission for the week was to have like a anarchist PFP. Um, and then the the next week it was, or another collection, it was to, you know, like and retweet a certain post. So they're kind of like quest missions. Um, so that's how we, so even before they got their PFPs uh, or their, their anarchists, they, um, so we had three different characters we actually had three different factions and gave, gave them homework, <laughs> but it's a, it's a way to kind of, it's, it's a way to get people involved. Um, really simple tasks that benefit the community, um, but also get them, uh, you know, feeling a part of it as well. Yeah. And, and I thought that was cool also because you gave them the choice, right? Like nobody was forced to, to do, anything but they decided to pick that role and then they got their missions based on that so so yeah creating a lot of a lot of discords and uh we're doing like engagement in the discord to oh i think she dropped out um so a lot of uh discords are doing like engagement and what you do is what you end up having is a bunch of people that are like spamming the the general chat so we didn't want to do that um, I think it's an okay strategy, um, but I, I think that then we've seen like now people are purchasing bots and stuff like that. So, um, the you know, to give these people like a, a way where they go into the Discord, they pick a role, and then they see the missions. And then we had three different um, channels, so you could only see the mission for your own faction. Um, so that's how we went about it. Uh, I, I, I think that some, something like that is better than asking people to be engaged in a discord over such a significant amount of time. Like people are spending hours on that. And I think that, that, that uh, enthusiasm for discord engagement is kind of starting to fade. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I hope that you guys can hear me fine for some reason, Twitter right now at the, the banner at the top of my screen, it's like, only showing half of it so i hope i can hear you i don't know <laughs> okay cool um all right sarah i want to go back to you here for for a question so as community managers right we need to not only be engaged with our team right internally but we also have to be engaged with the different communities that we have so for for me that is our builder community like psycher for example and we have elo extrinsic listeners here and then we have the the collectors the the investors right that are trading nfts buying into uh, collections so we have a couple of different communities to to manage uh, I'm, I'm curious you know from from your perspective as well 
how how does our own personal social presence play a part in the community management role? Do, do you think that that is something that would help us in the space? Yeah, I think definitely there's there's sometimes a role for like personal brand to play a role in communities that you're managing. Um, I think it's also important to like figure out where you want to have boundaries. So, for example, running Holdet, like I'm super involved in in everything there. Like I am Holdet, Holdet is me. We are the same person, uh, same brand, you know, Um I care about like supporting recent guard women. Hold that is a community for recent guard women. It makes sense. With Squarespace though, like when the clock hits five, like when it's the end of my day and I shut my laptop, like I don't want to be necessarily um, like contacted or like followed up about Squarespace things. Um, and I have had people who, you know, follow me on Twitter or follow me on LinkedIn or Instagram and like will engage with my content. It's a little bit weird because I'm like, I'm not a, I'm not Squishers right now. I'm Sarah. And um, I think you have to decide like where the delineation is going to be. And like, I care about growing my personal brand as a community manager, like at large, but that is not necessarily tied to my work always at Squarespace. Like I'm a community manager, but I'm developing my skills in a lot of different ways. Um, and that's what I like to like talk about on Twitter and stuff like that. But um, my, whole identity as a community manager, growing my personal brand as a community manager is not tied to my work at Squarespace. So I think like as people in this industry where like people are interacting directly with you on behalf of the company, it's important to set up like a delineation between like when you're on um, for your community and then like when it's when it's just you. Yeah, that's a really good point too. And I think that we in the Web3 space have also getting into the habit of trying to be aware of what is happening 24 seven. And that can sometimes get in the way of personal boundaries. Right. And, um, we, we at least I personally, in the beginning, I, I did feel like I, I needed to know what was going on with, with our business, but then at the same time, what's going on outside of the business and the competitors and the other projects, just to see, you know, what, what what trends were happening you know what innovation was going on uh but but i think you you do make a good point that it is important to figure out you know where those boundaries are um and and yeah be, being clear about that so that uh we we can continue to do our job right as community managers the best that we can um but uh, yeah it's it's not easy i think in in this space uh the we we built bad habits so far and i think we have to take a, a bit of a step back and kind of realign um our roles as well so yeah go yeah ahead. yeah i'll just say on that like i think there's like a common um kind of overlap between um social media managers and community managers and i think one of the benefits of being on the community side is like there's definitely less pressure to be always on whereas on social media like comments on your posts like you need to be responding you need to be engaging with them and i think it's hard though being both these roles like knowing when to kind of turn it off um 
But like, that's how you become a sustainable community manager. Like that's how you like are able to continue to support your community when you come back at 9am the next morning. Um, It's funny, sometimes we have, you know, engineers or product people who are like, oh, I'm all monitor this forum post over the weekend. I'm like, no, don't do that. Because that creates an expectation that I have to be there this weekend. And I will not be like, I will not be paying attention. I will see this like engagement from the community again when I'm back online um, at 9am on Monday. Um, And so I think it's like setting up yourself and then as well because even if someone else is comfortable being accessible for your community um if as the frontline person as the community manager that's not the expectation you're trying to set like you need to set up that boundary as well yeah definitely that that is a great point um i so i want to i'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit i want to see if there are some ideas or, or some lessons that you can share with us here in regard to the Web3 context, right? Uh, if there are any, um, any, if there's any way that we can continue to build that stickiness between like a member to member conversation, a lot of the time we are creating, we, we are starting the conversations as community managers. We, we are saying GM, right? What's, what's everybody looking at? What's going on today in the market? So, so we're initiating everything, uh, but I'm curious if, if you have any ideas of, uh, of ways that we can create that member-to-member engagement as well. Yeah, it's a good question. I think it comes down to like, what are people getting from each other? Um, what are they like getting from by posting or by getting your... So like, for example, post like within the Squarespace community and we're like, what everybody like, you know, website building playlist. What are they getting like, like no benefit to them for telling us what's on their playlist. You know, seated. However, members, if we like encourage them to post like jobs, oh, I need an extra hand with this project that I'm working on. Then someone's probably going to respond because what they're directly trying to do is find clients to build websites for. If someone's offering them like a client project, yes, they're going to engage with that. So I think it comes down to like what kind of things are important for people um, to be learning, engaging with. And then how do you set um, the tone as the you know company, as the people, community managers who are posting to like generate that kind of engagement? So like I... I'm gonna be honest, Web three NFT is still learning. Got a lot, to, got a lot to learn in this space. But like, you know, who are your favorite creators? Is like maybe an interesting question for like the community manager to ask. But like, where did you find this thing that you found that was like exciting? Or like, um, what resources do you have for like understanding this? Like, how can you create opportunities for people to present themselves as? thought leaders or as knowledgeable on a topic or like encourage them to post questions that are probably going to get engagement from other people um, is probably like the best thing. I think I see a lot of communities kind of like struggling with engagement when they're not creating conversations that are like really vital and valuable, um, nor are they like prompting conversations that like are going to really be beneficial to people. Um, 
So that's like probably the angle that I would take with like seated engagement or like encouraging people to post. Um, I think also like going back to the community leaders program we're talking, we were talking about like, how can you take really engaged members of your audience and like kind of incentivize them to be posting? And maybe that's like, you know, giving them early access to something or giving them exclusive access to something if it's an NFT. Um, and then being like, okay, as part of like the benefit of us giving this to you, like we ask that you go and post about it or engage about it or start a conversation about it. How can you like use the people that are already invested in your community to kind of like um, catapult um, conversations uh, to like much higher numbers? Something we do with Hold Ed is like with our hosts who are already really engaged, we're like, oh, post in your city channel, like, you know, start conversations that way rather than just like hoping that conversations will kind of like appear out of thin air. So some of it is like pulling, you know, ropes behind the scenes. Um, and then some of it is like trying to generate conversations that are like really going to be moving the needle for people is whether that's like their learning or their the way that they make money or like that kind of thing. Like the, the conversations need to be vital and then they get into a space where people care about each other and they care about what playlist they're listening to. But when you're trying to start a community, people are there for like a specific reason and, and you should help them deliver on that specific reason. Yeah, that's a definitely good point because it, each, uh, each community is, uh, we're all essentially fighting for attention, right? And so I think being able to create that kind of in-depth or, or like valuable conversation is what is going to hook somebody at the end of the day, right? When, they have a choice of 10 different communities to check in in a day, uh, you, you know, they, they're going to pick the one where they feel the most at home or the most comfortable. And so being able to get that kind of custom or, or that individual perspective that they have out of them is going to be huge in order to get them to create that stickiness for your own community. So we are getting close to the end here, and I wanted to open it up for, I know we have Elo, Extrinsic, or, or Dave, Slate. We have Terra Spaces here as well, recording the space. So if anybody has a question, feel free to come up. I've got um, just one last question here for you, uh, and that's in regard to what are some other resources that we as community managers can use to continue to learn about um, our profession? Yes, absolutely. I actually have a tweet. Um, if you scroll down a little bit on my page um, that goes over like some community management resources um, that can be really valuable um, for like learning more about the space. So it covers books and people you should follow and like courses you should take. So definitely scroll down and check that out. Um, it's like probably my best roundup. Um, if you're not already plugged into CMX, which um, we plugged a little bit earlier. Um, that's a really great like organization for learning more about community management. I think it's kind of like the standard these days for um, community managers, like learning new things and sharing their knowledge. It's really all coming from CMX. Yeah, perfect. I think we um, included the tweet here. Yeah, you can scroll through and see some like resources that I've compiled. So definitely check that out. Also, I tweet about community. Um, so feel free to give me a follow. A little self plug there. Yeah, that's perfect. That that would have been actually my last question. <laughs> How can people continue to uh, to follow you? So Twitter is is the place to go. I think in in general for um, for information 
uh, it's it's a place where I've been spending a lot of my time in the last year uh, with Web3. Uh, but Sarah, thank you so much for spending your time here with us today. It's It's been a pleasure getting to know you and, and learn more about your role within Squarespace. And uh, I definitely think that I've learned some more lessons here that I can share with my team and, and the rest of the builders here. But uh, yeah, thanks again for your time. If there's, uh, there's any time that you should, you have some questions in regard to web3 or nfts definitely feel free to reach out we'll help you out and, and get you uh in the know of how things work in this space awesome thank you so much we love a, a mutually beneficial relationship we were talking all about that earlier so that's awesome yeah all right sir well enjoy the rest of your day and uh yeah if, if you uh ever want to come back for free to reach out and we'll get you on another space here but um thanks to all the listeners as well Appreciate everybody being here and spending your time with us. Yay. Thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the One Planet Roundtable on Polygon number seven, recorded on Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. Now, with more Spark IBC enabled. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pay, checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows, but then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo, I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio. Six feet, motherfucker, step the fuck back, doing a little magic, pulling rabbits out the rucksack not everybody's always in it for the money looking like another crooked sunday and i'm working monday so you know i ain't stressing left debating great methods amazed to play inception the base stay blessed see even with these huge sums of overall royalties the sums of money that go to the record label per playback can seem insultingly small many rights holders are making around three quarters of a cent each time someone listens to one of their tracks leaving only some portion of that for the actual artists, they can't even say they're making pennies, pennies, pennies per play. Until they can figure out how to turn a profit, their future will always be in question. But for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund them. Pennies, 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 pennies. Another day, another lesson. Living in the eighth dimension might be worth a little mention. Living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel. Reeling in another sucker fish, out to make a deal just to make a motherfucker wish. Ah shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We didn't have any loose ends. You know what I miss? Listening to excuses Now we're on the fence Like we forgot how to choose That's what happens When people don't know what's true In the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom In the lunchroom Just trying to laugh it off Meanwhile foaming at the mouth Like a rabbit dog Like a fake mate and called at the zoo It's looking like the view is getting disappointed too I'm working on the new shit Trying to produce it It's what I'm willing to go through When I'm making my music